My name is Miriam Gonzalez. I am a sixth grade humanities teacher in Los Angeles, and I am also a plaintiff in the DACA case that went to the Supreme Court. Miriam found out the Supreme Court blocked President Trump's attempt to end DACA. On Thursday, June 18th, 2020, around 7 in the morning. Uh, my dad's at work, so there's no way of like talking to him. My mom was asleep, so the only ones that I kind of woke up were my sisters. When I opened the door, I was like, oh my God, with profanity. And then I was like, we won. I'm Shireen Marisol Meraji. I'm Gene Demby. And this is Code Switch. From NPR. Jean, as you and many of our longtime listeners know, I've been in touch with Miriam Gonzalez since early 2018. Mm-hmm. And I checked with her again at a park right by her house here in L.A. I remember you profiled Miriam and two of our siblings for a Code Switch story about mixed status families. That's right. Miriam is one of, according to some estimates, nearly 17 million people living in mixed status households in the United States. Her parents and one of her sisters are completely undocumented. I feel like I don't belong anywhere. She has another sister with DACA, like her. Okay, so are you going to take it away? Are you going to like leave it? Like, What are you going to do? Her youngest brother's the only citizen. There's so much pressure on me. Miriam was six when her parents moved from Mexico to Los Angeles. She's their oldest child. In your reporting the last time, she felt really guilty and responsible for not signing her younger sister up for DACA, you know, before President Trump came in and tried to end it. Yeah, that, that was Abby. She's the youngest girl in the family. She was in high school when President Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. She was focused on studying and softball. Abby told me she didn't need a job, so she didn't think she needed DACA. Right. Let's listen to part of that episode. It starts off with Abby's voice. Like, I definitely regret it not applying early as soon as I turned 15. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. And then, like, it was already too late once we waited out. On Tuesday, September 5th of 2017, Attorney General Jeff Sessions made the official announcement. DACA was over. And the oldest Gonzalez sister, Miriam, got ready to fight. She's a plaintiff in a case suing the Trump administration for ending DACA, Department of Homeland Security v. Regents of the University of California. She's fighting for the more than 700,000 people who have applied for DACA. And all those people, like her sister Abby, who hadn't applied yet, but were eligible before the Trump administration canceled it. Yeah, I didn't even, like, think about having a conversation with my parents. I kind of decided, like, yeah, I'm going to, like, join the lawsuit. Um, and it wasn't until I ended up hanging up with my attorney that I go out to the kitchen and I tell my mom. I was like, so um, I'm going to be suing, like, the Trump administration for rescinding DACA. And then my mom thought I was joking. And she's like, she just laughed at all, like, ha, ha, yes, you are. And then I was like, no, I'm serious. And she's like, sure. So she didn't believe me the day that finally... The case was submitted, and I like I started getting you know media requests, and then I called my mom and I was, hey mom, so like um, Telemundo and the Vesteca are gonna go to the house, like you better clean it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then she's like, why are they gonna come to the house? And I was like, I told you about my lawsuit, and then she's like, I thought you were kidding. I was like, mom, turn on the TV. Miriam, una maestra de secundaria de Boyle Heights, también depende de DACA. Miriam Gonzalez. 
She's the 105th dreamer that I've told a story about. My name is Miriam Gonzalez. I am a seventh and eighth grade math and reading intervention teacher, and I am a DACA recipient. That was from our episode called Status Update. If y'all haven't heard that, you should definitely get at it. Uh, I remember thinking back then, damn, Miriam just just joined this high-profile lawsuit and then, like, casually <laughs> mentioned it to her mom afterwards. I know. I have learned over time that she is just the kind of person who does big things in a very low-key way. If you would see me in a room, I probably wouldn't stand out to you because I'm quiet and I'm just watching. I'm a people watcher. But then when I see something, then I'll speak up. And she's been speaking up about President Trump's decision to end DACA for years now. The case was filed in September 2017, but, you know, all the work that went in terms of preparing the case um, to file. Um, So that was in September. We filed in San Francisco. Then it ended up going to the Ninth Circuit. And then the challenge that ended up taking the case to the Supreme Court. It's crazy to think that it's been three years. I can't remember. Miriam went to the oral arguments at the Supreme Court, right? She did. She told me Mm. it was very hard for her to concentrate because her focus was split. She was trying really hard to understand all the legalese. But then I was also fangirling. You hear about Sotomayor, you hear about RBG, and like to sit there. Oh my God, we're in the same room. I'm breathing the same air as them. She told me the whole thing was just so surreal. I mean, I bet winning probably feels really surreal too. Oh yeah. She was just starting to process that when we talked. It was like an hour after she heard about the decision. And I asked her what was going through her head. Um, I don't know, thinking that now Abby's going to be able to apply, hopefully. Just all like the opportunities that we're going to have. But then she added that she's also feeling conflicted about celebrating this as a big win. You know, it's not a permanent fix and it doesn't do anything to help people like her mom or her dad. I'm just thinking of all the people who work undocumentedly across the nation who live in states that are more hostile towards, you know, immigrants and thinking about them and just knowing that I was afforded privileges and just using those privileges to kind of fight for everybody. I think that's where that's where I'm at. Miriam definitely has a fight ahead of her. I mean, this decision, unsurprisingly, has upset groups that have taken a hardline stance on immigration. Oh, yeah. Uh, groups like the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, they put out a statement saying the Supreme Court decision will, quote, lead to future waves of illegal immigration as people around the world see the opportunity to bring minor children to the United States illegally in the expectation that they will be granted permission to remain permanently. Hmm. And, you know, the Texas Attorney General Ted Paxton said he was disappointed in the ruling. Hey, it's Shireen popping in here with a little fix. I said Ted Paxton. It's actually Ken Paxton. Now back to the regularly scheduled program. He vowed to continue litigating the constitutionality of the DACA program. And, Gene, President Trump made his statement on your favorite social media platform, Twitter. Oh, yeah. He tweeted, as he is wont to do. Do you get the impression that the Supreme Court doesn't like me? Do you get the impression that the Supreme Court doesn't like me? I'll just be respectful, you know? I won't say anything. <laughs> oh. We got more on this big Supreme Court DACA decision. Our Code Switch teammate, Natalie Escobar, interviewed the Harvard professor Roberto Gonzalez, no relation to Miriam. 
Uh, he wrote the book, Lives in Limbo, Undocumented and Coming of Age in America. Roberto surveyed nearly 2,700 recipients about how DACA has affected their lives. And he found that prior to having DACA, their mental health was suffering. The young people that I met, because of the stress of, of leading undocumented lives, were experiencing uh, mental and physical manifestations of stress. So chronic toothaches, headaches, trouble sleeping, problems getting out of bed in the morning, suicidal ideation. So this is one thing that through DACA, the DACA has been able to address to so many young people. Nearly 70% of almost 2,700 young people told us um, that access to work authorization, to driver's licenses, and the stay of deportation has meant that they don't have to lead everyday lives always looking over their shoulders and worrying. Many young people, at least for now, um, will breathe a huge sigh of relief. You can find more from Roberto Gonzalez on the Code Switch blog. And coming soon on the Code Switch podcast, we talk to the author Carla Cornejo Villavicencio, whose legal status has exacerbated her own mental illness over the years. She writes about that and about the immigrants we ignore in her new book, The Undocumented Americans. Maybe you won't like it. I didn't write it for you to like it. And I did not set out to write anything inspirational which is why there are no stories of dreamers. They're commendable young people, and I truly owe them my life, but they occupy outsized attention in our politics. I wanted to tell the stories of people who work as day laborers, housekeepers, construction workers, dog walkers, delivery men, people who don't inspire hashtags or t-shirts, Until then, we'd be remiss if we did not shout out our teammates who helped you produce this episode, Jereen. Jess Kung, Natalie Escobar, and Kumari Devarajan. It was edited by Steve Drummond. I'm Gene Demby. And I'm Shireen Marisol Meraji. Be easy, y'all. Peace. It was a big week for the Supreme Court, not just on DACA, but also on LGBTQ rights. And all this is going on while protests continue around the world for Black Lives Matter. What does it mean when all this change seems to be happening all at once? I'm Sam Sanders. Check out the latest episode of my show, It's Been a Minute, to find out.